Welcome to Wireframe, a podcast from Adobe and Gimlet Creative about good user experience design and how we shape technology to fit into our lives. I'm Koi Vin, Principal Designer at Adobe. This episode, we join the intrepid crew of the spaceship Curvature. Producer James T. Green and editor Rachel Ward in the furthest reaches of outer space. Captain's Log, Galaxy Date, 64389. The crew here aboard the spaceship Curvature are exhausted. We've spent years traversing the farthest reaches of the Milky Way and are long overdue for a rest. Our approach to planet UX is imminent. I must now check in with my loyal shipmate, James T. Green. James? Yes, Captain Rachel. We're just a couple of minutes away from planet UX, James. Let's prepare for descent. Reducing engine power. Uh, Captain, uh, there seems to be a problem. What's going on? I'm trying to reduce engine power, but the meter is at zero. I can't make this red bar move. Uh, bring up the systems display. I want to look at the velocity schematic. Whoa! Whoa! What is that flashing light? I've never seen this error before. It's a, a, a laughing skull and crossbones and... You've been hacked. You've seen all this before. A screen says, you've been hacked, or system breach. And then an animation of a padlock opens dramatically. Films are full of loading bars and error messages that conveniently move the plot along. And these tropes are all examples of UX design in film. To create these moments, filmmakers need designers to conjure up digital worlds for actors to interact with. This is what we want to explore on today's episode of Wireframe. And to start us off, Koi... I'm going to read you a little something. A computer interface serves as a kind of crutch for the plot. I always balk when a tense moment relies on a progress bar getting to 100% or something. It really feels like the screenwriter didn't really do his or her job of creating a legitimately compelling dramatic challenge for the protagonist. Does that sound familiar? Uh, yeah, did I write that? (laughs) Yes, and I thought it was really interesting, and we wanted to dig more into what is called fantasy user interfaces, or FUI, or FUI, which is what we'll call them today. FUI are essentially design elements that you see a character interacting with in a movie or a TV show, which, Koi, I mean, you're a designer and you love movies, so I figured you'd be a pro at this. The way I look at movies is much the way that I look at design. I really enjoy it when you watch a movie and the more you look, the more you see. I think Minority Report was one of the first times that you could tell that the fooey that they had created was just deeply researched and deeply thought, even if it was still fantastical and somewhat implausible. You could tell that they had really thought about where technology was going, and I think that kind of stuff matters. Right. So the first person I thought we should speak to was the guy who came up with the term fantasy user interface. I actually came up with a rather pretentious expression for it, which was faux user interfaces. That's Mark Colloran. He's designed for movies like the Born Identity series, Blade 2, and The Island. One thing we did that really did come out way ahead of modern user interface design, and that's animation in user interfaces and UX. Because we used it a lot to tell the story. You You have to take a screen that's just in a film. And if that doesn't do anything, it feels dead. Which is why in films, you might be watching a hacking take place. 
as indicated by a flashing skull. It's just like an actor who would sit there and do nothing. So we used animation a lot to give you know, impression to activity. In some ways, that was a natural course of action for people designing fake UIs to take because, as he says, they had to bring it to life in some compelling way. And on the screen, things need to move. It's just so fascinating how the movies both reflect and influence the real world. Mark's been working in Fui design since the late 90s, and now he works as a designer for a software company. When he first started out, computers weren't household objects. People mostly interacted with them at work or school. We didn't live online like we do now. So in the movies he's worked on, Mark had this challenge. He had to show characters doing really complicated tasks on machines that the viewer was barely familiar with. To do that, he leaned on real-world technology that people would know. For example, toolbars, window chrome, and menu systems in the Board Identity series were based on the Windows operating system at the time. Did you watch the Board Identity series? Yeah, I mean, only about 20 times. I do remember that they had a smartphone interface to tell people to assassinate Jason Bourne. They looked like logical exaggerations of what was happening at the time. They were a little bit cooler. They also had more interface chrome, as we say, more little widgets and edges and details, more than were necessary. But they didn't look completely out of line with what was possible at the time. Yeah, right. So here's Mark Colloran again. All the mechanics are exactly the same. It still has closed window buttons and open this and save that and the buttons and the general structure... And we were trying to, we could employ those things because we weren't making a real operating system. Another strategy Mark used to really sell a fantasy UI was to ground it in a direction that the future was already heading in. A lot of the times when when I was actually designing for this stuff, I'm actually looking to people what they're doing. Um, And you take that, you absorb it and you embody it. This sort of reminds me of something that I think a lot of people have seen on YouTube. Do you know those Boston Dynamic videos? The robot that does, that, that can walk up stairs and stuff, yes. is that right? Yes, <laughs> yes. Okay, yeah. it's like those and the dogs. and Yeah, yeah. Even though these are very advanced robots, they look like dogs. Things that us humans are super familiar with. It's making us comfortable with these future technologies. And this is kind of like what Mark is doing with his Fooey, by modeling it after things we've already seen. Yeah, 100%. You make the future more palatable by making it resemble the familiar. Part of how technology is different from science is technology tries to be useful to people. And it's hard to be useful to people when there's nothing familiar to grasp onto. There's nothing relatable there. So one of the ways you make it relatable is through design. And the cool thing about Mark being one of the early guys working in this field is that eventually, if he uses an idea enough times, it becomes a trope. And you're no longer referring the user to other experiences they've had with computers. You're referring them to the stuff they've seen in other movies. Accessing of information, that actually is one of the greatest tropes in FUIs in films. They'll be using the command terminal, break some passwords, and then they'll always get this one line, which is access denied. And then they'll do it again, and they might get access denied. And then they'll do it again, and they might get access granted. Yeah, I've seen that many times. It doesn't make any sense in real technology. Are there any, like, favorite tropes that you've seen in some movies? 
The Net starring Sandra Bullock is like a perfect movie <laughs> in terms of like if you're trying to, to, to immortalize ignorance of technology from start to finish, it's like everything about that movie is like, it's almost like somebody who knew nothing about technology had like one day to, to, that people said, okay, there are these things in the world called laptops, go and make a movie. And, and that's the movie they made. And the interfaces and the interactions just, just were completely implausible. Um, the type is always bigger than it would be on a real screen. Um, animations for things that wouldn't be animated. And then there's always, when you type, it doesn't make a sound. It makes a sound. <laughs> like, like, no computer I've ever owned makes that sound when you type. <laughs> So the idea of designing UI for movies is that you have to draw on something people kind of already know about so, you know, you can understand its role in the story. But it's not always easy because you don't have a ton of time to do that. Did you break the firewall? Did you solve the case? Did you get through the time warp? This is Robin Haddow, a designer who's created a ton of fooey for the Marvel Universe. Most important thing about the hero graphics is that the viewer can digest and understand what's happening in 24 frames or less. So, Corey, you know hero images, right? Yeah. That's the image at the top of the page. It's the biggest thing that's the one that they want to make sure that you don't miss. So, Fui designers have something similar, and you've probably seen it before. They call it also the hero graphic, and just like a hero graphic on a website might be meant to push you to buy something, a hero graphic in film is pushing something forward, too. The actor has the hardest job on set to convey the story, to drive everything forward. So it's a tool to help them to be this character that we all believe. There's a great example in the first Mission Impossible where Tom Cruise is breaking into CIA headquarters and he lowers himself from the ceiling into this top secret room to access this highly secure computer. And what he's trying to do is copy a list of spies from that computer to a disk. And so there's this progress bar in the middle that you watch moving from left to right and it's turning from red to green as it copies more and more in the file. And then ultimately, when he successfully copies that over, there is a big message across the bottom that blinks just so you don't miss it as an audience member. And it says, download successfully completed. Robin actually says a hero graphic can be anything. It could be a device or it could be invisible. How do we use it? How do we interact with it? What does it look like? Does the character rely on this tech to tell the story? But an easy-to-understand hero graphic isn't enough to tell a story. A viewer has to have a reaction to that device. You might even want them to desire that device. Which is what we're going to talk about after the break. This episode of Wireframe is brought to you by Adobe XD. Adobe XD isn't just an all-in-one solution for today's UX design teams. XD helps you work better together. Communicating design work can end up being like a telephone game. By the time a design component passes from designer to developer, a lot changes. You end up missing things. And so without being able to both look at something, chat about the exact same thing in real time, 
it causes a delay in what is being built and what is being created. Eric Norgard, creative director at Publicis, used to waste a lot of time reconciling miscommunications in design processes. But when he started using XD with his team, his workflow radically changed. We were able to reduce the total amount of time that people were spending per week getting everybody to understand what we're using to a normal 40 to 45 hours as opposed to 60 to 90 hours a week. You just share a link with somebody and it's all there. It's all there. User flows, assets like colors and character styles, code snippets, and downloadable images. Designers can make updates, developers can make comments, and it goes back and forth. You too can help your team design and code better together. Learn more at adobe.ly slash Gimlet. Welcome back. We're talking about how films and TV use fantasy user interfaces, or FUI, to tell their stories. And we're talking to designers who make those user interfaces. So FUI designers have a few strategies for making designs for movies. They might lean on current tech to create future tech, or they might make sure their designs could be understood in 24 frames or less. And another thing they do is manipulate you. For the story, of course. And nobody knows this better than Gemma Kingsley. She's the FUI designer behind Men in Black International, Detective Pikachu, and Black Mirror. And if listeners haven't seen Black Mirror, it's an anthology series that looks in the near future and shows us the dark potentials of these new technologies. A lot of the episodes are creepy and scarily accurate. I think Black Mirror is like a counter-narrative to the relentlessly utopian promises of the real-world tech industry. It's a useful way of saying, hey, this stuff is actually not inherently beneficial. And Black Mirror has basically become shorthand for trying to describe how technology can be terrifying. We can just say, that's so Black Mirror, and it evokes this very complicated relationship with technology. If you ever watch any of the Black Mirror episodes, you see that he starts off his stories um, with it being idealistic. It seems like a perfect world. It seems like everything's going wonderfully. But as it progresses, you realize that actually it's a nightmare. So it needs to it needs to draw you in to start with. It needs to look good. It needs to, you know, sell itself. Part of what makes technology plausible is that it looks awesome. Like it looks slicker or more empowering in some advanced way. Totally. And one of Gemma's most talked about episodes on Black Mirror is called Nosedive. And of course, if you haven't seen it, you're going to want to skip ahead by like 15 seconds here. Okay, so in this episode, people rate each other on social media using a five-star system. Your rating pretty much determines things like if you can catch a flight or rent a car. And the main character, Lacey, newsflash, her rating pretty much nosedives throughout this episode. And it affects her life in a big way. The design of that rating system and the social media interfaces throughout Nosedive was a tight collaboration between the show's creator, Charlie Booker, and Gemma. They paid really close attention to make sure the designs felt believable, yet futuristic. Everything needed to look happy, you know, because that was the world. Everything had to appear that it was happy. You know, everything was simple, clean lines, clean fonts. Everything was just clean because the world was clean. Part of what makes Nosedive so creepy is how realistic it is. 
We're already used to rating things, so it's not a huge stretch to imagine seeing a website where you yourself have a rating. It's scary because it's true. What makes it more believable is seeing the actors interact with that system. And that was Gemma's work, too. When an actor is using a FUI, they can't actually see anything. It's like a green screen. So the FUI designer has to coach the actors on how to use it. Nosedive stars the actor Bryce Dallas Howard, and Gemma was right there next to her, teaching her how to properly use this fantasy UI. I'd sit there with Bryce Dallas Howard and I'd say, right, in this scene, this is where she needs to touch the screen, here, here and here, because she's looking at a blank screen. It's a little bit like user testing, except the opposite. It's like it's, this is user coaching. I mean, I wish I could do this with the people who use the products we create. It's like stand over their shoulders and say, yeah, you should actually do this or this now. User testing, you're there to, to absorb what they do naturally. And in, in this case, you're there to instruct them to make your design work. It's like the inverse. Mm-hmm. It's like a mirror. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> okay. And even though the goal is that even though this design isn't actually real, it'll look so intuitive for an actor that they'll barely need any training to sell it to the audience. In another episode of Black Mirror called The Entire History of You, Gemma created an interface for a futuristic taxi. You see a map, you see like a sat- satellite navigation map, and it's, it's on see-through glass, you know, and it looks like it should be there. And this chap emailed me, and he said... Um, we really, really like the technology in this episode, in this taxi. Um, can you tell us where you bought the technology, like where, where we can buy it from? And, you know, I just said, unfortunately, it's all done in post-production and this technology doesn't exist. But thank you for your email. It's an amazing compliment. <laughs> right? Yeah. So I think that's super interesting about Black Mirror. You know, it does that Mark Colloran thing of taking a germ of an idea from the real world and bringing the interface to life on screen. But Black Mirror makes a piece of technology coherent and interesting and desirable. And then it turns this desire against you by showing the dark side of technology. Right. And film is both reflective of and an influence on the real world. And this is true for technology as well. There have been some pretty ridiculous fake user interfaces imagined in film. And yet, you know, in some respects, they're still valuable because they're opening up the imagination of technologists and designers. They're giving us a chance to dream of something ridiculous becoming a reality. And more and more people are becoming savvier and savvier about technology. And that's feeding back into the work of these fake UI designers. They have to make their designs more plausible, more rooted in people's understandings of the way technology works. So, you know, there's this thing that Gemma said that I think really summarizes that. If you sit there and you don't question what's going on on that screen, that means I've done a good job. Yeah, when I see a bad fooey on screen, I really pay attention to it. It immediately pulls me out of the story. Okay, how so? Well, details matter, right? If I spot a button or a bit of UI chrome that's just a little too fanciful or doesn't make sense, then I'm out. Admittedly, I spend all day thinking about interfaces. But I imagine as people become more and more savvy about technology, it's getting harder and harder to sneak implausible details past audiences. Everybody's becoming more discerning. So Mark Colloran, who you remember worked on The Born Identity, he has a thought about this. There's an old trope with designers where... A lot of designers actually think they're artists. But a designer is somebody doing something for somebody else. And in the end, does it feel right? And if you can hit those points, you will do better work. It might not be, you know, the coolest work you've ever done, 
but it'll be good work you know it'll be solid work and you did what was needed it's really true fui design is a kind of design just like any other it may have different methods but it's still trying to make something complex understandable and relatable even designers who are seemingly just making this stuff up have to think about constraints in the case of fui designers they have to deal with the constraint of the narrative and also the constraint of the audience's increasing savviness about technology because ultimately design always has to translate constraints into something that makes sense to people on the next episode of wireframe Nowadays, it's more likely that you'll find your next date on the apps rather than in a bar. Can everybody pull out their phone? Can we look at some apps? Oh boy! Uh, uh, I'm not on Tinder. I'm not, but I can join I'm it real fast. Can see your bounce profile. Okay. But then, you can't oh, see men you, on it. You, right you can have my grinder. Is UX amplifying the worst parts of dating? Wireframe is produced by James T. Green, Amy Standen, Laura Morris, Matilde Urfalino, and Abby Rizika. Rachel Ward is our editor. Mixed and sound designed by Katherine Anderson. Original music composed by Billy Libby. Theme music by Peter Leonard. You can subscribe to Wireframe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. And leave us a review. We'd love to hear what you think. Wireframe is a production of Adobe and Gimlet Creative. To learn more about the world of fantasy user interface design, check out adobe.ly slash wireframe. And to try out Adobe XD for yourself, download it for free at adobe.ly slash gimlet. I'm Koi Vin. Thanks for listening. Listening.